Gracious God, pour down your Spirit upon us now as we hear your holy word and proclaim Christ crucified and risen for all people. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, as I've said earlier, we celebrate the festival of Pentecost. It's, it's an Old Testament festival, actually, a, a harvest festival taking place in the spring of the year. Uh, and in the New Testament, it commemorates the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples. But our gospel lesson for this morning, oddly enough, takes place during a different Old Testament festival, the festival of Sukkoth, or the festival of tabernacles or booths, as it's called. It took place in late September or early October. It was an annual fall festival. And so in our gospel lesson for today, that's where Jesus is. It's the fall. It's about six months before Holy Week. And during the festival, the people would camp out in little tabernacles or huts that they would make from uh, palm fronds and uh, tree limbs, that sort of thing. And it, it was sort of reliving uh, the Exodus experience, the wilderness wanderings for those 40 years when the Israelites were in the desert and they lived in these little makeshift huts. And on the last day of the festival of Sukkoth, and this is the point this morning, there was a ritual involving water that took place in the Jerusalem temple. A priest would go to the pool of Siloam, draw out some water, and carry it up into the temple. He would climb up onto the altar of sacrifice, and he would pour out that water on the altar, and it would run from the altar down onto the floor, and as far as it would run, however much water he had in the, in the pitcher. Now that water symbolized what the prophets had predicted, that when the Messiah would come, water would flow out of the temple and it would become a great river, a life-giving stream. The prophet Ezekiel spoke about this in chapter 47 of his prophecy. He saw in a vision a stream flowing out of the temple and it became a great river and it flowed to the south it flowed all the way to the Dead Sea, which is filled with salt, and nothing can live in there. But the water from the river flowing out of the temple in this vision of Ezekiel, the water made the Dead Sea alive. It was a life-giving water, a water that transformed salt water into fresh. That's what Ezekiel foresaw. And that river symbolizes the Holy Spirit which would be poured out like water upon the human race when the Messiah would come. And so the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, is full of promises like that of the coming messianic age that we now live in. So Roman number one in your sermon outline, promises made, letter A, the Lord will make rivers flow out of dry ground. Rivers will flow out of dry ground. The Lord will cause the desert to bloom. This is predicted many times in the prophets. And I, I quote from Isaiah 43. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. 
For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people. And then letter B, the Lord will pour out his spirit on all Israel's offspring. That's us. And I quote from Isaiah 44, I will pour water on the thirsty land, says the Lord, and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing upon your descendants. In other words, when the scripture speaks of the spirit being present, water is not far behind. The two go together. Letter C, the Lord himself is the fountain of living waters. That's from Jeremiah 2.13. And living waters will flow out from Jerusalem and from the Lord's temple. As we've already said, that's predicted many places in the Old Testament. And then in John chapter 2, Jesus refers to himself as the true temple of God. Jesus is the true altar of sacrifice. He's the true sacrifice for the sins of the world. And Jesus is the source of the Holy Spirit. Letter D. Festivals traditionally look backward. And that's true. You know, this is Memorial Day weekend when we look backward uh, and give thanks and remember those who've given their lives in the service of our nation. God's festivals look backward as well, but they also look forward. They point ahead to the coming Christ. The Old Testament festivals, they all pointed forward to Jesus. And in fact, all of the prophets, all of the kings, all of the priests are Christ figures. They point forward to the ministry of Jesus. And this is why our Lord would say also in John's gospel, the scriptures, meaning the Old Testament, they testify of me. Roman numeral two, promises fulfilled. That is to say, the Lord not only keeps promises, he exceeds the promises that he's made. He will not only refresh dry ground, he will refresh dry and dead souls. Letter A, Jesus invites to himself all who thirst. All who thirst. Now, now note, Jesus does not say If anyone is good enough, let him come to me and drink. Jesus does not say if anyone is spiritual enough or well-qualified enough or fully committed enough, let him come to me and drink. The only condition is that we be thirsty, that we be spiritually needy. That's why our Lord would begin the Sermon on the Mount with these words, blessed are the spiritually poor for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who hunger and who thirst for righteousness, righteousness that they themselves lack, for they will be satisfied. They will be satisfied with the true righteousness, righteousness which is not native to you or me, but which is native to Jesus, which he gives us through faith in him. My friends, we bring nothing to the relationship with Christ except our sin, and he brings all the forgiveness that we need and more. The kingdom of God, like the Holy Spirit, is for those who know they are not worthy of it or of him. And what is thirst anyway but the acknowledgement of one's need? 
Water is essential for life. It's not optional. And so the Spirit is essential for life everlasting. He is not optional. And Jesus is the Spirit's source. So verse 37, at the beginning of our Gospel reading, on page 10 of your bulletin, on the last day of the feast, the great day, notice this is the day now of the water ritual, the pouring out of the water, Jesus stood up and cried out. Now, now notice, he's not seated. That's the posture of a teacher. No, Jesus is standing and he's shouting out good news the way a public herald would do. And the good news is this. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now, Jesus does not stand up and say, thus says the Lord, if anyone thirsts, let him go to the Lord and drink. He doesn't say that. That's the way other prophets would speak. They speak about the Lord in the third person. They all say, hear the word of the Lord. Jesus doesn't speak about the Lord. He speaks as the Lord in the first person. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He doesn't send you elsewhere. He invites you to himself. Prophets don't do that. The God-man does. And this is why the gospel writers say that Jesus taught with authority and not as their teachers. He spoke as God in the first person. Verse 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So letter B in the outline. Out of his heart will will flow rivers of living water. That phrase may refer both to Christ and to the Christian. Either way, Jesus is the source of the living water or Holy Spirit. So point number one, punctuation and meaning. How you punctuate a sentence can make a big difference and what it means. Lowercase letter A, I give you an example of this. Let's eat, comma, grandpa. So you're calling grandpa to dinner, right? Now remove the comma. Let's eat grandpa, okay? Uh, it's cannibalistic, isn't it, you know? And, and so keep the comma in there, save a life. Now, in the same way, verses 37 and 38 may be punctuated differently. In fact, the earliest Greek manuscripts of the New Testament have no punctuation in them at all. Punctuation was added centuries later. And so you see kind of an English example of this in lowercase letter b. In the earliest Greek manuscripts, because books were expensive to copy, they would jam all the words and all the letters together. Now, to us, that seems confusing. There's no punctuation at all. There's no spaces between the words. To us, that seems confusing, but it saves space. It makes the book easier to transmit, to copy, to pass on. But I give you an English example of this, and you can read it, can't you? Yeah, you can understand it. Why? Because for you, English is your native language. You know the vocabulary. You can pick it out. 
You don't need the punctuation. It's the same with ancient Greek. People that spoke Koine Greek, they could look at the manuscript and they could understand it perfectly well. But there are some cases where, it's, for us, it's not so clear. And this is an example in verses 37 and 38. And so what you have printed in your bulletin is the ordinary way. I think the way most people would, most translators would handle it today. But it's not the only way. Many early church fathers punctuated it differently. And I'm going to give you an example. So take a look at verse 37. I'm going to read it and I'll show you what the changes are. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now take away the period and put in a comma. Whoever believes in me, now put in a period. Take away the comma. What you have, whoever believes in me, is sort of like a parenthetical phrase referring back now to the person who thirsts and who comes to Jesus for drink. And then we begin a new sentence. As the scripture has said, out of his heart, now that refers to Jesus, the me. Out of his heart, out of Christ's heart, will, will flow rivers of living water. That's a different way to punctuate it. And that designates not the believer now as the heart out of which the rivers flow, but Christ himself. So you can punctuate these verses either way. Either way is fine. Both are true. The Holy Spirit flows out of the heart of the believer and it flows out of the heart of Jesus. But Jesus is the source. That's what you got to get right. The believer is not the source of the living waters or the Spirit. He's a channel for the Spirit. So point number two, throughout Scripture, water and the Holy Spirit are inseparably bound together. You see this many places in Scripture. I alluded to it earlier. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. There's the first indication of water and spirit. The linkage is there, but it's, it's everywhere. Uh, Jesus said you must be born of water and spirit, right? Uh, St. Paul wrote that by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. This conjunction of water and spirit happens a lot. Just FYI. Letter C important point, the Holy Spirit comes only by means of the cross. Only by means of the cross. Look at verse 39. Now, this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet, the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The glorification of Jesus, we've said this many times, in John's Gospel is the crucifixion. That's his lifting up his exaltation on the cross, you see. And John, later in John's Gospel, John describes the death of our Lord, I think it's in chapter 19 in this way. He bowed his head and handed over, literally handed over his spirit. Now the idea of handing over, uh, the translations say he gave up his spirit. But to whom did he give it up? Well, he gave it up to the Lord, to his Father. Well, yeah, but he's handing it over the idea is he's giving it to us, that we derive new life through his passing, through his death. And I think that's a good way to understand it.
letter D. So the Spirit flows from Jesus through us to others. From Jesus through us to others. And, and I cite Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Paul lists nine different virtues that are the result of the Spirit's activity in our lives, but let's just consider one of them, and that's love. The Apostle John wrote this, we love because he first loved us. He is the source of our love for others. Paul wrote, love is not self-seeking. It always looks outward, beyond itself, to the well-being of others. It, it begins in the heart of Jesus, and it flows through us to those around us. And this is why, when faced with a difficult decision, I always ask myself, or I try to ask myself this question, how can I best love the other person? Because love fulfills the law. When I love the other person, I automatically fulfill all of my obligations to him or her. Now maybe the situation calls for tough love. Maybe not. The point is, it's not about me. It's about the well-being of the other, no matter what it may cost me in terms of popularity or acceptance. That is the Spirit of Jesus at work. And that's the fruit of the Spirit, that love flowing from Christ through us to others. So on the last and greatest day of the feast, water was poured out upon the altar in the Jerusalem temple. Jesus saw that as pointing forward to himself, and therefore he spoke up. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus speaks audaciously about himself because he knows he's the fulfillment of the temple. He fulfills the altar of sacrifice. He fulfills the festival of Sukkoth and all the other festivals. Jesus is the source of the Holy Spirit, the living water which transforms lives wherever it flows. And my friends, you and I and all believers in Christ are also the fulfillment of that Old Testament festival. We resemble Jesus in that the fruit of his spirit flows through us to those around us, through the creeds that we confess here every Lord's Day, through the hymns that we sing, and the prayers that we pray. Those are all manifestations of the spirit at work in us. His spirit flows through us to others, through the words that we speak, through the forgiveness that we share, and through the service that we render one another. Jesus spoke boldly of himself as the fulfillment of Old Testament promises, and that he is. But he spoke even more boldly of us in the same way. We are the fulfillment of Old Testament promises because now that living water of which he is the source flows to the world through us. In Jesus' name. Amen.